a large part of our thinking is unconscious. And so when I went to that training and I really figured out how I needed to think differently, it changed not only my career, but it changed my whole belief system about myself and what I was capable of. Welcome to Improv is No Joke podcast, where it's all about becoming a more effective communicator by embracing the principles of improvisation. I'm your host, Peter Margaritas, the self-proclaimed chief edutainment officer of my business, The Accidental Accountant. My goal is to provide you with thought-provoking interviews with business leaders so you can become an effective improviser, which will lead to building stronger relationships with clients, customers, colleagues, and even your family. So let's start the show. Welcome to episode 65. And today my guest is Debbie Peterson, who's a keynote speaker, keynote trainer, and mindset expert who works with companies to create increased bottom line results through greater clarity in communication and in leadership. Debbie's a professional member of the National Speakers Association, a certified trainer of neuro-linguistic programming, and brings a diverse corporate background to the table with experience in administration, project management, investor relations, customer service, and entrepreneurship. She has delivered keynotes and keynote trainings to thousands of professionals at various size companies and organizations to help them change their mind so they can change their result. Our discussion focuses around how do we change the story that we're telling ourselves? How do we change that negative self-talk into a positive, lean-into thought process? We all suffer from this at times, and she provides proven strategies to help change the dialogue in your head. Before we get to the interview, I'd like to talk about Listen, Learn, and Earn. If you've been listening lately, you know that I've partnered with the Maryland Association of CPAs and the Business Learning Institute to bring an exciting new learning opportunity for accounting professionals to earn CPE credits. The initial response has been very positive. You can earn up to one self-study CPE credit for each completed podcast episode purchased for $29 through the Maryland Association of CPAs and the Business Learning Institute self-study website. The podcast episodes are mobile-friendly. Open your browser on your smartphone, tablet, or computer, go to the MACPA BLI self-study account, and listen to an episode. Take the review and final exam while you're working out or after listening to an episode on your commute to and from work. It's that easy. Now, while all selected Improv No Joke podcasts are available on my website, only those purchased through the MACPA BLI self-study website are eligible for CPE self-study credit. You can get detailed instructions by visiting my website at petermargaritas.com and clicking on the graphic, Listen, Learn, and Earn, Improv is No Joke podcast on the homepage. I hope you enjoy this exciting and flexible new way of earning CPE credit. All right, now let's get to the interview with Debbie Peterson. Debbie, thank you so very much for taking time out of your hectic schedule to be on my uh, podcast. Oh, my pleasure. It is so great to be here. Uh, Debbie's a member of the National Speakers Association, and Debbie and I have talked one other time before. Uh, A good friend of hers and a friend of mine, Lisa Ryan, who I interviewed in one of my earlier podcasts, 
Lisa gave me Debbie's name and said, oh, you got to have her on the show. She is wonderful. <laughs> so I was able to get her scheduled and I'm so looking forward to our conversation today. So once again, thank you very much. My pleasure. So Debbie, let the audience get to know you just a little bit more. So what can you tell us about yourself? Oh, let's see. Um, let's see. One key fact about me would be that I was born and raised in Pennsylvania and on uh, Lake Erie, and I no longer do winter anymore. So the flexibility of my business allows me to chase sunshine all year long. Okay, now we're in the conversation right now because I want to not do winners anymore, and and I, and I and to make matters even more uh, worse from my perspective, or the jealousy factor that increases, is that she uh, winters in uh, Southwest Florida, which is one of my favorite parts of the country. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, but in all seriousness, you know, I spent thirty years in corporate, and uh, you know, just got to that place where. I had a feeling there was more potential for me that was not being tapped into. And, um, you know, I, I heard it and I didn't pay attention to it. And then the, you know, the feeling kind of grew a little bit. And I decided that, you know what, I, I need to figure this out. And so left corporate and decided to take my training, which is as a certified trainer of NLP and also a student of HUNA. So uh, a couple of different aspects as far as how we think and uh, figure out, you know, how that plays out uh, in my own business. And lo and behold, I started coaching, which I really enjoyed, uh, but it didn't make my heart go pitter patter until one day I got on the stage and got a hold of a microphone and well, you know the rest. So yeah, look out. <laughs> yes. So how, how long have you been in your business? Uh, I left corporate about, let's see, Oh, four years ago. About four years ago. Yeah. And I, I took some time to just, you know, disconnect from that, decompress a little bit. Uh, you know, it was a very different, my husband was retired at that point, um, but took some time to figure out, okay, what's meaningful for me? Right. And, uh, you know, this next go around, if I'm going to build something, then, you know, I want to build something I'm passionate about and figuring out what that was. So I, I love the, the word passion because, yes, uh, I, I think anybody who does this business has to have a tremendous amount of passion because it can be uh, very rough at times. It, uh, it, you know, it's it's not an easy business to get into. And, you know, you had mentioned, Lisa, the conversation that Lisa and I had at the very beginning, it was more or less, so you want to <laughs> be a speaker. <laughs> and, you know, and I did. And uh, she gave me some tasks and I completed all of them. And I, I wouldn't choose to do anything else. So I'm, I know I'm absolutely in the place that I'm supposed to be going. Uh, you know, even though you have those days, even when you're passionate about something that, uh, you know, they're a little tricky, they're a little defeating, but you know, that's the entrepreneurial life. That is the entrepreneurial life when you get kicked in the gut and then you go, okay, I'm really not really employable anywhere else. So I better pick myself up and keep moving <laughs> forward because <laughs> I don't think they'll let me ever have a W2 job again. Uh, <laughs> so uh, what is it that you speak of? What is that passion there? All right. Well, you know, for, for me, and to, to dip back into my corporate life and explain it, is that in my last corporate job, I had um, I was in a company where there was a, a reorganization. The corporate office ended up being acquired. Okay. okay. It's moving to Texas. I've got to stay here. What am I going to do? So I, I ended up finding my last corporate position, and I was there for about seven years, and it was prob it is the job that I was the most grateful for. 
for two reasons. And the first reason was because I hated it inside of two weeks. I mean, I thought I'd lost my mind for having taken the job. I thought, what am I doing? Uh, you know, I was just so unhappy. But here's what came out of that. You know, after being trained in the corporate cog for so many years, you, you kind of fall into that routine of, oh, here's your job description and, you know, here's what you're expected to do and we'll train you and give you performance evaluations. So I had been in that uh, kind of mode of being told what to do. And in this new position because I was so unhappy. Uh, it was because I was having a hard time figuring out what to do. It was it was a startup and it was just so loose that it turned me into an advocate for myself. It turned me, it allowed me, it taught me to be able to advocate for myself. So that was huge. So that was the number one. The number two was uh, that's when I got sent to the NLP training. NLP is NLP, NLP is? is neuro linguistic programming. And okay. if I were to give your listeners a quick summary on it, it would be that neuro is the mind, linguistic right. is language, mm -hmm. and programming are habits, strategies, processes that we use every day without even thinking about it. Uh, so it's the language of the mind that produces our results. So literally, we create our own reality in this six inches we we hold between our two ears, and. A large part of our thinking is unconscious. And so when I went to that training and I really figured out how I needed to think differently, it changed not only my career, but it changed my whole belief system about myself and what I was capable of. So, you know, when I got to the other side of that and I had some pretty profound results for me, I thought, okay, if I can do this, then how do I take this forward and pay it forward for other people? How do I do that? Uh, and so, you know, after I left corporate, that was that's what I was trying to figure out. And literally one night in the middle of the night, I woke up and getting to clarity was on my mind. And I ran downstairs. I got on GoDaddy. The URL was available. And that was kind of how the company was born. So, wow. Yeah. Get, getting to clarity in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a that's a great story. And, and I, I've heard this so many times, especially um, at a National Speakers Association conference convention. We are the story that we tell ourselves. Oh, yes. Yes. And, you know, you're the author. You can pick up the pen and write a different story, too. And so that is a large part of what I do. Okay, so hypothetically, let's say I want to tell myself a different story, and I'm in my mid-40s, mid-50s, and I've been telling myself this story for quite a long time, and I want to change that story. How do you, how do you, make, how do you make that change? Because I can imagine that's difficult. You know, it is um, repetition, and... Um, Behavior rewarded is repeated. So, you know, it's really about rewarding yourself with, with the behavior that you choose to believe. And so what I do for businesses and what I do for employees in those businesses is, you know, you, say, for instance, you'll have somebody in a work environment and they'll be telling themselves that story about how they don't like their job. They hate the people that they work with, that they're, you know, um, that they want to move into leadership. They don't know how to do that. They don't think they have the potential, you know, or even somebody who tells themselves a story of, uh, I'm, I'm okay at sales, but I'm not great at sales. You know, those limiting beliefs that kind of run full time in our minds and being able to first thing, the first key is being aware of it. So knowing that that is a story that you're telling yourself, knowing that that is a limiting belief that you have about your work performance. You know, you can go into organizations and you can teach people how to sell. You know, you can teach people how to be more productive, 
Um, you know, you can you can teach people any number of things, but depending on what they hold in their head, their beliefs about how they're how well or not they're able to do that, then that will define the range of success that they have. And you know, giving them strategies to be able to shift that mindset so that they do have different results. Change your mind, you change your results. Exactly. And that, that makes me reflect back on a story uh, I, I told in my book about um, I wanted, I was at the Haas Society's annual meeting and I saw the chair of the board uh, delivering a message to all the membership that was there. And I went, I want, I want to do that. I, I, I want to be the chair of the board. But, but at the time, I, I, you know, I, I was not a partner in a firm. I didn't, I didn't have that resume that the past chairs have had. Through the improv technique of yes and, and getting rid of those limiting beliefs and, and turning that negative talk into positive talk, I was actually installed as chair in 2010. Now, that was an eight-year process, uh, and, and I find myself when I, get, I start having those limiting beliefs, because I don't think we can ever fully get rid of them, that I have to revert back to that yes and or what if, or I know I can, or I get that can-do attitude. And I love what if. I love that you said what if, because what if is about curiosity. And that's one of the things that I encourage people to have, especially when they're in a stuck sort of situation or a confused sort of situation and they want to get clarity is to, you know, a lot of times they'll think, well, I have to do this. And that puts pressure on themselves. But if they can think about, well, what if I do this? What might the results be? Um, you know, what could that mean to me? It's almost like it's an experiment and mm -hmm. it, it's, a, it's a different sort of feeling. Uh, and so, therefore, it's um, it's a safer space to be, you know, to be in mentally. But I, I can see I can see some who want to have that attitude, and, and they they come to your session, and you're doing a keynote, and they're all jazzed up. But once they get back to work, they go right back into that rut. What what do you what do you tell these people to so they don't go back into that rut? Well, you know, one of the things that I do that the sessions that I do are very interactive. And I get people thinking about their very first step. So, you know, it's not about theory. I mean, it's really about practice. And I have them outlining their practice before they leave the room. Because otherwise, you know, why bother? I set them up with the strategies of, okay, you know, this is not a one and done. My magic wand is broken. I can't, you know, <laughs> distill upon you everything that I've learned. This is the beginning of your process. You know, so you had talked about uh, in the beginning, you know, shifting that mindset. What do you do yeah. with my program, there are four pieces of it. Okay. And the, the first part of the piece, it's actually what I call a race. And the race is uh, ours responsibility. There are certain things that you have responsibility for uh, in getting more clarity in your career or in sales or, uh, you know, leadership, whatever it is that you're trying to achieve and is knowing exactly what you want. I mean, specifically what you want. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people can't tell you that. So I'll, I'll ask audiences, you know, how many have goals? How many know exactly what their next step is in their career? How many know the target that they're that they're aiming for? And, you know, it's about maybe maybe a quarter or a third of the room will raise their hands. And that is one of the biggest things that holds people back. How can you hit a bullseye without a target? True. You know, so so understanding what exactly it is that you want and why you want it. You know, so for instance, accounting, 
you know, accounting, a lot of uh, accounting for there are smaller firms and their family firms. And so grandpa was a CPA and then dad came into the firm. And now all of a sudden, you know, junior, he's going to college and well, you've got to go for accounting because you need to come into the firm. But that may not be really what he wants to do. And he may not have passionate around that. That's somebody else's why. It's a hand-me-down why. Right. And that doesn't work so well. So it, you know, knowing your why is part of your responsibility too. You know, then when it comes to A in race, it's about accountability. Do you have a plan or a goal or a strategy? Do you have uh, some sort of system that is going to incrementally move you towards what it is that you want. And this sounds simplistic. You know, you, you tell it, you know, I'm talking to you and you're nodding your head like, yeah, but giving people specific strategies around these elements so that they can do something different with their careers. And then, you know, C is community. community. Who are the people that you surround yourself with? You are the average of the top five people that you spend the most time with. So who who is it that you're spending the most time with? And are they people who support you in your goals? And your aspirations, or are they people who, you know, oh, what are you, what are you going after that for? You know, that that that's silly. And then the last part of it is uh, engage. E for engage, because there's a lot of people out there, and I was one of them. That okay, I'll I'll sit and I'll figure out what I want and why I want it, and you know, I I'm good at connecting with people, but when it comes to taking that first step, you know, it's you, you kind of want to backpedal and say, well, I need to do some more research. This is not the right time to do this. You know, I need to wait a little longer. I need to connect with another person. I need to, you know, and we've all done it. Yeah. Um, but then you have all this great wisdom about yourself and you never do anything with it. So I love those four pillars. Uh, I, responsibility, accountability, community, and engage. And when you're talking about community, the people you surround yourself with, does that go to all the all, other alter egos I have in my head? Do they qualify? <laughs> yes, they do. That oh, would be your virtual community. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm in big trouble. <laughs> no, but yeah, I, 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 I love that strategy. And so you, you get them thinking in this way. And, and I and I like how the responsibility and the the engage are kind of opposite ends here, because I think those are probably maybe the two hardest pieces uh, of this is is taking that ownership, taking that responsibility, knowing what you want, and then leaning in. Yes, and doing something with it. So it's not just about thinking differently; it is doing differently as well. Yeah, it's I can see that that okay, I, I've. I've I need to research it some more. Or I need to think about it some more. You know, I'm not sure about this. And and the next thing you know, uh, if it's a job that you were going after, whoops, looks like the, the deadline is closed and uh, they're not taking any additional applications or you know, some office is open for a certain amount of time and you've got to wait. And I think the longer you wait, the more you can't, oh, this, uh, the longer you wait, the more you'll procrastinate. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and that is... Um you know, your comfort zone. And that's why that procrastination kicks in. Yeah. You know what the P and CPA stands for? No, what? Procrastination. Oh, does it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, but I'm, I, you know, I, I see myself when I procrastinate versus leaning in, doing it and accepting the consequences or taking the risk. I think that's another thing is, is, is the fear uh, of failure, the the risk of failing, and, and then what will people think? Oh yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, and the what if. So, you know, what if kind of works both ways. So, you know, what if will allow you to have curiosity, but in certain instances, what if is going to slow you down because you're thinking about making a decision and it's, you know, well, what if this doesn't sound right? What if I sound stupid? What if this is not a good decision? And, you know, you're what ifing yourself to death that you never take any action at all. And I think that's one thing I love about being an entrepreneur because I, I think that I was doing that early on. And uh, I've learned how to hear those voices. I, 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 and and I, I'll, I'll let the voice talk for a little bit, but that's about it. I'll let that voice give me their opinion, and then I'll stop the voice because they'll just want to keep saying over and over and over again, and then try to collectively come up with with a decision and move forward without doing as as analysis and ultimately having paralysis. Right, the paralysis of analysis. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, see, I'm dyslexic sure. too. So. <laughs> so there's nothing worse than a dyslexic ADHD accountant because somebody's, <laughs> somebody's going to jail and it's not me. So when you do these sessions as kids, because you said you love, you found the microphone and you love, this, you, you love the stage, do you hear back from any of your, the, your, your attendees about, let's say, a year later and say, you know, I came to your session and, and I really took it to heart and I, I, I know how to race now and oh, I just got to tell you what I've done? You know, um, what, what I do get a lot of is that I will find there will be people who come up to me after I've given a, t a keynote or done a, a keynote training and they will tell me it's like I crawled inside their head. And, 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 and that's one of the highest compliments because, you know, when, when we start thinking about things in a way that isn't productive for us and, you know, it, it has us a place in a place where we're confused or we're stuck or, you know, whatever it is that we may be feeling, but we're certainly not making progress towards our goals. We tend to internalize that. So we think that we've got to get this figured out before anybody else figures out what's going on. Right. And, uh, you know, the thing is, when you communicate with people and you share your stories and you share examples uh, and you give them strategies, one, they know they're not alone. Two, they know there's a way forward. And, and that's that's the beautiful thing. So when people come up and say, oh, my goodness, you were talking just to me or you crawled inside my head, uh, that's a very high compliment because then I know I have reached them. And, I'll, you know, I'll also get it uh, what, when I'm out and about. Locally, if I've given a presentation, people, you know, will will tell me that, you know, oh, that that was just the best thing that, you know, it really caused them to shift and thinking in a different way. And that's, you know, that's huge. It, you know, when I go out uh, and I travel, not as much. Uh, I'll get it on the feedback forms. But, you know, a year later, uh, I haven't gotten that yet. Yet. We'll yet. For that. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that, that, that you will uh, be getting it that, that soon. And, and do you think part of it is? People's uh, hesitation or procrastination is because they don't want to be vulnerable. Uh, yes, you know, and as a speaker, that was a huge, huge step for me, uh, becoming vulnerable. You know, because you, you kind of you think that you need to be, you have all your research down, and you know, you just you need to be perfect at everything before you get up on the stage. And actually, uh, you know, I would encourage anybody who's thinking about speaking that is not the case. Um, I would encourage anybody um, who is a leader or a manager, that is certainly not the case. You know, the more realistic you can be with your audiences, the more realistic you can be with your people, your employees, you know, the more they can connect with you. And when you connect with people is when you really start to build those relationships. So the, my biggest topic is communication. So communication and leadership. Communication isn't just external communication. It's not about delivering a message and having someone receive it the way that you intended it. But it's about internal communication, too, in that 
what you think, you know, what you hold in your head will affect what your results are. Exactly. Uh, So I I apologize. I was I was intently listening to that. And I I, I can't when when you ended up, uh oh. I could I, I get back into the game here, but I I, I thoroughly I, I thoroughly agree with with what you what you say, and, and you've got such a great message. So talk about talk about the communication side of it, just just a little bit more, and, and how how all of this being vulnerable. Oh, what was what did somebody say? Oh yeah, because when we're when we're on Facebook, we're on the ultimate, long-standing, never-ending first date. Yes. Absolutely. I like that. I hadn't heard that before, but it's absolutely accurate. I mean, you know, you can put uh, your your best side forward every single day of the week. It's like you never have a bad day. You never do anything wrong because if you don't, you just don't post about it. And that can be hard to keep up with. You know, so so when it comes to communication and, and like you said, that, you know, the voice in your head. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite phrases is what do you want instead? And so you said that, you know, you let the voice go. And you, you let him have his FaceTime. And then at some point, you're going to stop the voice, which is great because, you know, you realize this is not productive. Uh, you realize that is a story that, you know, you're, just, you're going to stop the voice. And then the next part of it, what I would encourage you is, you know, what do you want instead? If this is what he's saying, then what is it that you want to produce in the other direction? And so then it goes back to race. You know, what is it that you want? So it's constantly redirecting yourself through those four pillars to make sure that you're taking and gaining consistent action on your goals. And you're continually improving, not only as an employee, but as a person. Because you know, and I have the sense that anything you do to develop yourself professionally affects you personally. And everything, anything you do to develop yourself personally affects you professionally. So it goes both ways. Exactly. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm always, I, you know, I, I, growing up, I, I really didn't get outside my comfort zone. I, I was really kind of you know, fearful of making mistakes, fearful of, of, of doing something wrong, fearful of, of what other people say. And I think you get to some point in life, you're going, yeah, the heck with them. You know what? I, I think those, when we do become vulnerable, when we do share our failures, we are perceived in such a better light than those who have never failed or appear to have never failed. Ultimately, that house of cards will fall. It will. It will. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, that's, I think that's a worst case scenario because when that house of cards falls, uh, you're really the emperor with no clothes and, and, and you, are, you are not seeing the same light. It's almost like a disappointing light versus when you're, when you're truthful and you share with your team as a leader uh, that you screwed up, you made a mistake, and we're going to move forward from this versus like, no, this wasn't my mistake. This was your mistake. Right. It was your exactly. it, it was your idea. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. It's a collective idea. So I, I yeah, I I'm I, I think the best leaders are the best communicators and they are vulnerable themselves. They are because perfection doesn't exist, you know that, but besides that, perfection is not approachable. So if you have a manager or you have a um someone in leadership who has this just this facade of, you know, I've got everything together and I always do everything right. And they kind of take a hard stance with things, then it really doesn't allow their employees uh, or their managers to approach them with issues they may have because they're not approachable. So that's where that vulnerability comes in. You know, it's not like you, you, you have to tell your employees or your managers all your dirty little secrets, but you know, you, you, you have to be in a place where 
they feel comfortable that they can come to you for guidance. And I think it's also a cultural thing. I think some organizational cultures do not allow that. I, I've, I've worked in a, a few that failure is not an option. And it's, you know, you, you, want, you get that, why am I even here? Uh, or you, you don't, you know, the thing, I don't want to come to work. I, you know, I, nobody will, nobody will, there's no creativity. There's no risk taking because everybody's fearful that if they screw up, they're going to lose their job. Right. And so how much productivity are you actually getting out of those employees? Uh, none. Very yeah, little. You know, exactly. You know, you think that um, you're holding it all together, but, you know, um, absenteeism is up and um, intention, you know, retention and engagement of your employees. I mean, it's just their health. It, it, everything just falls through the floor when you're in an environment like that, you know, that somebody has a death grip on it and it's literally causing the death of the organization. And I, and I think in those organizations, that death grip, it's called money and we're paying you maybe 20% more than the market will bear. So I, I, to some degree, I have an indentured servant, so I have that control factor. And uh, because if you leave, you know that you're taking a pay cut. So there's that, back to that psychological aspect of, uh, of that job and, and kind of being stuck in it. And it's that all that negative communication that's happening. Well, and, you know, the, the job market is changing um, because of the uh, the influx of the millennials. And I think it remains to see uh, to be seen as to actually how that's going to impact things. But, you know, the, the trends and the indications are now that the millennials are, are really out for something that's meaningful to them. So, you know, I was almost 50 try, when I started my company. But in, in seeking another position, just trying to figure out what was going to make me happy. And, and right out of the gate, they're trying to figure out what's meaningful to them. And so, you know, research and, and a lot of the articles that are out there, you know, they're only there for one to three years. And um, they decide within six months, you know, if they're going to make a move. And they need to be engaged because the baby boomers are retiring in droves and the millennials are the ones that are coming in. And, and we've got to be able to backfill that talent. So uh, it, it's got to shift that mentality of, well, here's your job. I'm paying you a good wage. Just do it. Yeah, that's gonna that's going to get some people in trouble. Yeah, that's that's going to get that, that's gonna, a lack of succession planning because it's walking out the door. And, and if I have, have another baby boomer say, "Well, they're just going to leave anyhow. They're just going to leave anyhow. So why should I train them? Why should I invest in them?" Like, well, that's why they're leaving because you're not. But they're yeah, and they're not leaving in every organization. So, you know, there are organizations out there that are having great success with the, the millennials. And, and and I hate to stereotype anybody, but, you know, that's just, that's kind of how everything is talked about. So for your listeners, you know, that's what they'll get the idea of what it is. But there are definitely organizations out there that are being very successful with their millennials. You know, money is not always a motivator. That, that, so that's true. it really comes down to leadership, you know, the, the values of the company. And if they are hiring right, uh, onboarding employees is huge because uh, I read an article just yesterday that, those decisions that new employees make about whether they're going to stay or not, a lot of it has to do with how much they've been trained. And that starts not only hiring, but also onboarding. You know, did they get any training at all or are they kind of thrown into the water to tread, you know, like you and I were? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and actually, I just uh, uh, two episodes prior to this interview, a gentleman by the name of Bob Dean, and, and this he, he, we were talking about virtual collaboration. But this is one of the things that we were talking about: is companies are terrible at onboarding, and if and if they don't get the onboarding right in the first ninety days, the probability of that person leaving increases dramatically. Yes, it does. Now, uh, here's here's your stack of stuff. I want you to read everything and sign everything, and then there's your computer, and 
And um, we'll be oh, back. Oh, koozie. Here's your coffee mug. <laughs> yeah, here's your coffee mug and koozie. But we're not going to give you the code to the bathroom until the first, after the first couple hours. And yeah, I, I, I remember those days. And those first three, six months were just, you, you were walking on, on, on eggshells, it seems, because you, you, you weren't comfortable yet. Yeah, and there are easy ways to uh, make people feel welcome. There are easy ways to motivate your employees, engage your employees, and therefore retain your employees uh, if you can communicate your message. You know, if you can communicate the values, um, and, and you know, and that's why communication is so much more than just here's my message. Yeah, and is it sticking the way that I want it to? So that's interesting. You should say that because one of my earlier episodes was with a woman named Karen Young. She wrote the book, uh, stop knocking at my door, drama free HR. And she shared a story that she changed her hiring practice around where if, if, there was a posting, the first thing that you would do, you wouldn't get an application. The first thing that would happen is you would get uh, sent to their website and they spent a lot of time working on the mission statement, the core competencies, their vision. And then that first phone interview was articulating how you fit into that culture that we've created. And if you could articulate it, then you got the application. If you, if you couldn't, there's no application. And she said her attrition rate almost went to zero. Oh, that's terrific. You know, that's terrific because so much, you know, the normal process is that you put a job description out there. Okay, going back to the job descriptions and and here are the tasks Task, that you're going yeah. to do. And, and, you know, and people will look at the tasks and the responsibilities and they'll say, okay, I can do that. But, you know, the, if, a, if an employee is going to be engaged with their employer, um, then they have to have a solid understanding of their own values. And that is something that I work with not only in communication, but definitely in leadership is helping people to get a solid understanding of that because how how can you know if it's going to be a good fit? You know, you're after a certain experience at work. Not necessarily okay, you know, yes I can do this and this is my skill set, but you know, the culture and how you interact with employees and and the company values and if it's a good fit for you and and you can't know that unless you understand what your own are. So that is that is a big part of it. So I, I, as you're saying that, I'm, I'm looking down at my notes on race, and I'm thinking maybe the, another one of the A's, I've, I've got two of them, two new ones for you. Uh, oh, good deal. One of, one of the A's is, so you got accountability. The other one is attitude. Oh, yes. Attitude is everything. And the other one is adaptability. Yep. They all work in, in, in unison uh, with, 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 within an organization. It's, you know, I, 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 you know you've, you've seen enough job descriptions. You've applied for jobs over the years and these tasks and stuff. And you sit there and you go, I wish I'd have gone and not done the, the linear type of, I wish I'd gone in with the world's greatest attitudes. Sure, I can do that. Just give me a chance and stuff. And I, I, I think, you know, but, but we get so... Early on in our careers, we're, 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 we're so guided in how we want to be perceived mm-hmm. that if we just came in with a wonderful, if we, if, you see, I, I went to XYZ school, I got this, I got this, I got this. But if you came in with that attitude, I, I, I bet you you get the job tenfold over people who may have more experience than you do. Yes. You know, and uh, it's been said, you know, before, and I've heard it multiple times that, you know, you can teach people the skills, but you can't teach them the attitude. You know, you can't teach them um, what what they hold in their head and their hearts. 
Except you can, because that's part of what you do and de- deprogramming them or, or getting them to think differently is to, to turn off that negative self-talk and, 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 and put that what if or I, I can or I, you know, and changing that, that ultimate conversation in their head, which changes the ultimate attitude that they possess. Yes. You know, I mean, it really is about uh, self-awareness is the first key, but then being able to identify these patterns that you run. When you know what the pattern is that you're running, then you can do something about it. And so you can interrupt that pattern and create a new strategy, you know, that will help. So you talked about attitude and you talked about adaptability. You know, one of the things that I talk to under engagement that relates to both of those is, you know, your your reality. We all we all live in the same world, but we create that reality inside our own heads. Right. Okay. And we have filters that can skew what comes out of our brains. Mm -hmm. Uh, And those are things like negative emotions. So, you know, things that you get angry about and frustrated about and sad about and irritated about, uh, you know, people that you work with, you know, wouldn't the workplace be such a lovely place if it wasn't for the other people sometimes? (laughs) And the thing is that you give your brain instruction all day long, Mm -hmm. what to focus on. And, you know, your mind uh, just loves to serve. And so it will go out and find what you're looking for. So, you know, when you label people as difficult, then every single experience you have with that person is probably going to be difficult because that's that's what you're you're, you're focusing your mind on. And, and so much of what we focus on doesn't serve us. And it it creates these filters that dirty the lens, you know, muddy or the lens that we're not seeing our reality correctly. And I think about the, the the profession I'm in, the accounting profession, even though I'm the accidental accountant, but I, I do love this profession. But I also see that we we tend to be very linear in thought. And you said emotions, and, and a lot of times we don't want to deal with those emotions. But having that emotional intelligence will help us in guiding a conversation. Will help us in 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 knowing when to lean in and when when this might not be the right time to lean in and and and. and and having that understanding, uh, because I believe emotional intelligence along with our own intelligence equals success. It does. And, you know, um, the emotional intelligence is part of what I, I teach in my uh, communications programs. It is a lot about the attitude. You know, how, how do you get triggered? You know, what are the things that set you off? How do you deal with them? Uh, you know, what is it that, that other people do? What is it that you do to other people? So, you know, it's, it's the whole sphere of emotions, and that intelligent as it relates to everybody, not just yourself. Right. And I call it, uh, if somebody wants to know what the opposite of emotional intelligence is, I say, watch the Big Bang Theory and watch Sheldon. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he's kind of the opposite of that because he he doesn't have that possess that his character doesn't possess those skills and it becomes very apparent in that character that you know he he's like Mr. Spock he has no emotion. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Absolutely. It's um it's a slippery slope and and, and you know I I I know it's easy for us to to look from the outside in, even though we've been inside there, uh, I've always wondered what it'd be like if I did go back into an organization for a period of time. Could because the, the thing that always has shocked me is I can go in with the best attitude, but oh my god, if somebody is just Debbie Downer, Dan Downer, and just everything is just 
dark and miserable, how that sucks all that positivity right out of the room. It does. It does. And, and so you've got to have strategies um, to be able to deal with that, you know, and, and that's why community is part of it. And by the way, we say negative Nelly. We don't say Debbie Downer. Okay. <laughs> negative Nelly. <laughs> so, but you do have to have, you know, and, and it is, you absorb what other people put out. So, you know, if you have a bunch of um, sour people in the office and, and it is that gloom and doom and you can feel the tension, I mean, it, it does permeate. And uh, you've got to find ways to build that back up. And, and that is why the people that you choose to surround yourself with, you know, sometimes you don't have choices when it comes to family, um, <laughs> but, you, <laughs> but you, um, you, you, you have choices who you, you get to spend the most time with. And really, are they supporting you? Are they lifting you up? Are they encouraging you? Do they have their, your back? You know, are they telling you what you need to hear instead of what you want to hear? Right. You know, how do they show up in your life? And that's a choice, the, the people who, who play those roles. So I say strive to thrive with five. S- st- say that again? Strive to thrive with five. Uh, who's, your, who's your five? It's kind of the, uh, who, who are your five closest yeah. people? Mm-hmm. Who you yeah. su- surround yourself with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so making sure that those are people that support you. So you were at, you were at Influence, correct? Correct, yeah. Did you go to the uh, the, the banquet? Which one? The, the, the CPAE banquet? Yeah, the CPAE banquet. Yes. Do you remember Bruce Turkle? Is that, I think yes. that's his name. His, his acceptance for being a, CS, uh, a CSP or, or I, I, I don't know, but for being part of the, uh, the, in the Hall of Fame. Right, he, the CPAE. Yeah, mm-hmm. CPAE. It wasn't about him. I mean, the whole, his whole speech, was, it wasn't about him. It was about how us, sitting out in that audience, and that was one of the things he talked about. Who's your five? Who do you surround yourself with? And those of you who are sitting in the back here in the back, if you see yourself being up, he, and he challenged us the next day is to go sit up in the front row. Yeah. To go, to go show up, show up and, yeah. and, and introduce yourself. And, and, and who is in your five? And, and I think we have, may have a, a grounded one or two, but mm-hmm. the other three, uh, I think they come and go. Well, and here's the other thing, though. They can also be virtual. So what is it that you feed your mind? So what is it that you listen to? What is it that you watch? What is it that you read? You know, it can be uh, coaches. Uh, It can be YouTube videos you watch. You know, it can be books that you read. It can be podcasts that you listen to. You know, what do you have going on in the car? So even all those virtual resources, they're part of your, you know, your tribe as well. So it doesn't always have to be, you know, because some people aren't in a place or don't have the kind of life where they can get out and make those connections, but it can be virtual too. You know, there are plenty of people out there who are serving that can be part of that community for you. That's a very good point. I never thought of, thought about that, but it's about what we read, who, what do we listen to? Uh, I, 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 I uh, just started the book, The Trust Edge, by Dave uh, Horsnager, who... Oh, yes. Oh, man. He, I mean, he had me at hello. Uh, I probably have quoted him a number of times where uh, the value of anything is built on trust. Yes. Uh, once I just... But then, and then he talked about clarity. Yes, Related he did. to trust. And I'm like, woo! <laughs> oh, and, and, and that was his first pillar. I know. That was great. Ah, I could just put two and two together. I should have come up, thought about that before. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I can see that. And, and, and it's just, you know, getting people, it's challenging people. No, I, let me rephrase it. It's challenging ourselves. Yes. To what are we reading? What are we listening to? 
what are we surfing? I mean, I love watching TED Talks. Uh, mm-hmm. Someday I'll, I will eventually will do a TED Talk, but I, you know, and also, you know, I, if you want to be the best presenter, you watch the best and you kind of pick up little tips and tra- uh, tricks from them. And, Absolutely. But you stay authentic in, in what mm-hmm. you do. Yeah. Yes. Any anything else you like to, like to share? I mean, I, I'm sure we could go on for an hour and a half, two hours. <laughs> we probably could. <laughs> we probably could. Um, you know, I I just um, I encourage people to spend that time identifying what their patterns are. You know, if it, in NLP and in my world of communication, if if you look out and you're getting the results that you want. So in your career, if you're if you're uh, progressing through um, promotions and, and you're getting to wherever it is that you want to go in career, then great. Keep doing what you're doing because obviously it's working. But my message is for the people where it's not working, where they're trying things and it's not working it, to encourage them. It's not a they have it inside, mm-hmm. but they have beliefs and attitudes that are covering it up. And so they've got to work on the mindset and uncover what it is that's holding them back so that they can do something about it. And that's what race is, you know, focusing on what it is that you want instead, you know, having a plan or a goal or strategy to get it, making sure that you have the people who are going to help you get there. You know, if you're looking for a promotion, uh, if you're looking to become a better leader, if you're looking to become better at anything in your career, there is somebody who is doing it. Right. You know, call them, connect with them, model them, you know, again, it's not about mimicking them that you're not authentic. It's still being authentic, but you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but find the people that are going to help you get there and then engage. You know, when you hear that story in your head, when you hear that self-talk and it's not what you want, interrupting that pattern, what do you want instead? Uh, So, you know, continually running yourself through that race acronym will consistently move you in the direction that you want to go. And there are other facets to it. You know, I can chunk down on each of those pillars, but, you know, that's the, the overarching theme that really has caused me to have success in my own life. That's, and race is responsibility, accountability, community, and engage. Yes, yes. And you could probably talk an hour on each, if, if not more. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, well De- Debbie, thank you so very much for, for spending time with me. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I, I, I love what you do. Uh, you've got a lot of passion for what you do. And, and I, I hope that within the very near future, our paths do cross. And it may actually be in Southwest Florida, because I'd, I'd, I'd love to just take you out to lunch and just talk with you some more because that it, would be it, terrific and it, it, thank you for having me on uh this was so much fun i always enjoy you know getting to talk about it having a chance to get in front of different audiences that they hear the message and you know if one person listening to this embraces what they've heard and they think differently as a result then that's a win how can people find you they can find me at www.gettingtoclarity.com uh, or if anybody wanted to email me, it would be Debbie at gettingdeclarity.com. And I'm on all the social media channels. So LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah. Instagram? <laughs> uh, I, I do have a personal Instagram account, but I would say that the, the primary three that I'm on the most are Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Twitter. Great. So, and, and um, we'll get you, we'll get all those addresses and stuff. I'll put them in the show notes. So if people want to find you on social media, they can. Uh, Debbie, once again, thank you so very much for, for spending time with us. And I look forward to seeing you in the near future. Oh, and I do as well. Thank you. 
I would like to thank Debbie again for being a guest today and sharing her techniques on how to change the story we're telling ourselves. If you've been listening lately, you know that I've partnered with the Maryland Association of CPAs and the Business Learning Institute to bring an exciting new learning opportunity for accounting professionals to earn CPE credits. The initial response has been very positive. You can earn up to one self-study CPE credit for each completed podcast episode purchased for $29 through the Maryland Association of CPAs and the Business Learning Institute self-study website. The podcast episodes are mobile-friendly. Open your browser on your smartphone, tablet, or computer, go to the MACPA BLI self-study account, and listen to an episode. Take the review and final exam while you're working out or after listening to an episode on your commute to and from work. It's that easy. Now, while all selected Improv No Joke podcasts are available on my website, only those purchased through the MACPA BLI self-study website are eligible for CPE self-study credit. You can get detailed instructions by visiting my website at petermargaritas.com and clicking on the graphic, Listen, Learn, and Earn, Improv is No Joke podcast on the homepage. I hope you enjoy this exciting and flexible new way of earning CPE credit. Remember, you can subscribe to my podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you'd like to purchase a personalized signed copy of my book, Improv is No Joke, Using Improvisation to Create Positive Results in Leadership and Life for $14.99 and the shipping's free, please go to my website and you'll see available now on my homepage. Just click and go to the shopping cart. In addition, you can download Improv is No Joke audiobook for $14.99 so you can listen on the go. You can follow me on social media. You can find me on Facebook by searching The Accidental Accountant. My Twitter handle name is at pmargaritas, and you can find me on Instagram by searching pmargaritas. You can connect with me on LinkedIn by searching my name. In episode 66, I interview Karen Eddington, who understands pressure and is on an unexpected mission to heal most universal and dangerous experiences we can have. She uses humor and connection to help combat this pressure. Thank you again for listening. I'd greatly appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes. And remember to use the principles of improvisation to help you better connect and communicate with those in your organization. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.